0: Today on Arguing Agile, we're talking about deadlines. Are they real? Do you make them up? Do you disregard them? Do you negotiate them? Do you fight back? Do you get a knife fight? We're talking about knife fights. That's yes. what we're talking about. Cue the Michael Jackson bad video. Oh, you would do that if we could, but we can't, cause we don't have money to pay for,
1: for anything, yeah, but for yeah, anything. absolutely. Yeah. So the word deadlines is interesting, right? Cause it, it is a pretty much a binary. You're dead or you're not. And, and I would say challenge that because a deadline is simply an arbitrary date. So with the customers you say, we can't quite deliver what you're asking for by that date, but we can deliver these things by this other date, but not everything you ask for. So deadlines aren't dead lines. You're not dead when you don't cross the line, you just having a discussion. This is a dialogue because nobody knows the secret science behind picking a date. They picked the date for their own reasons. Whatever they may be, try to understand them. Maybe they're budgetary, maybe whatever, right? Try to understand them and work with them. So is a deadline truly a deadline? Is it really a deadline or is it just a desire, a desire by which you should do something, whatever it is, right? Release a piece of functionality to stage QA or production even, right? Is it truly a deadline? The smart organizations do this on a continuous basis. So they don't have the concept of releasing to production. Mm -hmm by a given date. It's just at that point, frequency driven once a week, once a day, once an hour, whatever it is.
0: The typical pushback on this one is going to be, we try agile, but agile doesn't do deadlines. Oh,
1: they should check out our previous right? part. Yeah. That agile I know, like, doesn't
0: work here. I'll, the common misunderstanding is, well, agile can't deal with deadlines. So, and we're a very deadline driven environment or very deadline driven business, or we have a lot of regulatory stuff that's deadline driven, right? Uh, And agile can't deal with that. Like that the first thing I would want to tackle in here for anyone who has found our podcast is agile can't deal with deadlines, which which is, which is like patently untrue, wrong, incorrect. You lose, you get nothing. Good day, sir.
1: You're a off the island. Listen, I agree with you. Uh, you know, this whole notion of agile doesn't have or cannot deal with deadlines is ridiculous at this stage. Now, those people that have been locked up in a corner somewhere for the last 20 years, I understand where you're coming from because back then, yeah, it used to be true because we didn't have these techniques where you can have measured releases, measured, contained risk, or however you want to say it. One of the guys that I I, I respect is Nicholas Shalian. He's he's, he's the, he was at least the CIO Mm -hmm. over at the the US Air Force. I I can't remember exactly, now he's moved on. But anyway, the the US government has been using Agile, right? So that tells you something. So the fact that people say there are no deadlines in Agile, I I think those people really don't understand what Agile is. You know, those are the people that say, well, we don't really need Take your pick, right? In agile, there are no deadlines in agile. There are no X, Y, Z, whatever it is. Yeah. They don't understand. They think, well, only if we have things signed in blood and we can deliver to those. Oh, we can't, but wait, 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 we can. However, the customers change their mind. So we scream change order, change order, change. That is the old mentality. The new mentality is you welcome changing requirements, even in development. Mm -hmm. That is something that people have to understand that the agile as a way of working is not the same as the old way of working and if you mix the two that's where you start getting confused i think shortening that chain where you bring customers in understand their pain points and then react very quickly before things are even out in production for that matter bring customers in why not bring them into your, your sprint reviews nothing's in production yet you've just finished working yep. bring them in because guess why if they say something that you've missed the mark on you'd better pivot now as opposed to N number of sprints from now, and then say, oh, this is already in a release and it's in production or some kind of a staging environment where the customer then's going to say, you missed it. Yeah. So get ahead of it. That whole concept is new to those people that have been locked away somewhere for 20 years. Mm-hmm. They say agile doesn't work here because we're so special. So those people are encouraged to check out our previous podcast entitled agile doesn't work here, Yeah. but net net of all this is. This is not a new way of working. It's new to you maybe, but it's not a new way of working. And just to circle back to my point, it works in the government too. And normally we don't associate agility with the government. Yeah. However, that, that in and of itself is an old notion, yeah. right? The, the new thinking says, Hey, they're listening. Okay. And they're reacting and adopting and, and changing things, not everywhere granted, but right. we're there in some parts. So let's just take that and then try and propagate that out.
0: The other thing that comes up, I don't even think it's perceived. I think it, it is used against agile teams in the way that's like, I'm going to use this against you and then hopefully you don't have enough experience to push back on it kind of thing. Like I'm going to throw a date out for like, I'm in the used car lot and I'm going to throw a date out first. And if you're not smart enough, just walk away. Like yeah. you're like now you're trapped is you like agile doesn't work here because we can't just say it's done whenever we decide to stop working on it. We committed to doing, like, not necessarily the people doing the work, but we, yeah. as a business, as salespeople, as, a, as, as a, an organization, somebody, somebody who's not the people doing the work, has committed to doing something. It sounds ridiculous when I'm saying it out loud. There is a lot of people in this corporate environment now where their boss, their boss's boss, their executives, their salespeople, whatever, somebody up in the hierarchy of the organization or someone who is above them in the organization, will make a promise, a commitment, and then will come to them to say, I signed this check. Now, please figure out a way to cash it because I have no idea when I signed it, how to cash it. I, I realize how ridiculous it sounds. That happens all the time.
1: Yeah. All the time. It, yeah, it's but, so but,
0: true. But then people on development teams and developers, uh, team members, I will say team, scrum team members to bring it back home, mm-hmm. scrum team members feel a real pressure on them, right? They yeah. can't help it. They got to feel a real pressure on them. This person, they signed this contract. They gave this promise. They came to me and they said, you have a week, like, oh my goodness. Like normally it takes a month to do this. I don't know how we're going to do it in a week. You know what I mean? They're working extra. They're working late. They're real, st- they're stressing. Not about the thing, not even just about the thing that the build, they're also stressing about all the things they have to put on the back burner mm-hmm. while they ignore them to try to hit this commitment. I'm doing sassy air quotes for the people listening.
1: Sassy air quotes. I think we should have like a gesture for that. So, so I mean, these commitments that are made not at the discretion or the direction the of the death team, but arbitrarily almost right. But by, by somebody who's not even in the right. know, yeah, so right. to speak, those aren't even commitments really. I mean, at the best they are aspirational in nature. Mm-hmm. So somebody says, well, we can do all this, but they mean we can do all this because I want to get whatever XYZ out of it if we do this. So whoever's making the commitment has, it's all about, listen, everybody listening to this, remember four characters. And I'm about to tell you about right W I F M WIFM as a acronym, it stands for what's in it for me. So those people that are making the commitment obviously know what's in it for them. That's why they're making the commitment. The team on the other hand, doesn't get to have a say. If they don't get to have a say. Because they have to deliver. That that's seems it. like a problem. <laughs> they, oh, you think? Right? So so that's a problem. But then the, the machine gets ratcheted down on the onto the teams. You have to deliver by this date. You have to. Because that person has something to gain or something to lose. The team has nothing. I mean, they, they're helpless. Some teams are doubly challenged. Mm-hmm. Because they're not only the core dev team. Developing the features that are inflicted upon them flicky. i will use that word yeah, here flicky, yeah. inflicted upon them but they also have to manage things that are in production already so production issues that our customers are, re- are reporting issues on they have to fix those what do you think should take priority right think about that for a second you got a customer base that is experiencing issues you've got somebody who's telling you you should do something by a certain date okay now you're between a rock and a hard place you're actually between the jaws of a vice, right? Mm -hmm. You have to do something. And the teams that are compliant, I'll use that term here. They will just say, oh, well, we'll just jump how high. We'll just say that whenever somebody says, do this, do this, do this. And I've seen this happen, unfortunately, way too often in my short career here, right in this industry, people will ignore customer complaints because the executives are yelling at them saying, do this by the state. So they can do whatever it is that's asked for by this customer. But if it is even remotely impacting the existing client base, you're heading for the Niagara falls that's coming down basically right off the edge of the cliff. I think what a savvy team needs to do is realize what is possible. Mm -hmm. Realize what is probable. That those are two different things altogether. And then go back, have the gumption to say to these people that are saying you need to do this by state arbitrarily and Mm -hmm. say, if we do this, we can lose this. Yeah. So don't say no ever. I, I know is the shortest word in my book and I use it often, but not in this way. Yep. I always say no, but, or no, and right. Just to appease those people that are in the yes and camp. No. And if we do this, it means we have this impact. Yep. If we try and get to our destination, that's great. We can win the race, but we have the risk of getting run over. Cause we're crossing the street. Make leadership aware of what the opportunity cost is. And sometimes the opportunity cost exceeds potential cost of new business.
0: There's an attitude of not saying no. That that's the cliche in this category is like, don't say no, say yes. And, but the end piece of it is so overbearing that the client themselves will have to say no. Yeah. But what happens if they say yes? I can't believe we got 15 minutes into this podcast before I was like, if I have to deal with this at all. Cause like deadlines to me is rookie move. It's almost never dictated by the customer to the development team. Usually the way that I've seen deadlines in my career. Is they are pulled seemingly out of the air by non-customer internal stakeholders.
1: I think more often than not, it is just a random date that somebody pulled out of the air and they have their own basis behind that. They have to have this thing, whatever it is in their mind for which the date is intended met by day or date before they have their evaluation or whatever it is. These are people that are outside of the dev team, they're looking for quote unquote, self-interest. I understand that sometimes though it is driven by the customer because somebody promised them something. So now the customer is now hard set on that date. The problem isn't the customer though. The problem is why was that date committed to without having any sublots in reality, right? That happens occasionally as well. The thing I want to tell you is the longer, the longer the chain between the organization and the customer the heart of the problem. So what you want to do is bring the customer in to your organization as close as you can to the dev team. Have them create a really close liaison there, have the customer state their issues, not to some highfalutin middle person or higher management person to the dev team and say, this is what we need and have somebody oversee that and say, okay, is this a need, a wish? a desire or a right, want, right. right? And prioritize all of that, all the good stuff that we know we right. have to do. And then say, okay, let's focus on the need, right? right? You need this, we'll get back to you by when we can deliver some of that, half of that, all of that, whatever it is. But then that's not a promise made up front, that is just an introduction. Yeah. Have a conversation within, without, like outside of your team and say what, assuming your dependencies, figure out what it takes. and. Promise the customer something that, you know, you can comfortably lift. Mm -hmm. So under promise, right? Don't, don't say we do this by December and it's already September to try and do that over time you, what will happen is you will start to gain that confidence from the customer and that trust and that is worth its weight in gold. Yeah. It completely overrides that somebody says, well, do it by this date. That's just an arbitrary date. What you're doing is. It's ground in some rationale, right? It's bottom up. The mm-hmm. teams tell you what it takes to get those things done as stories, features, whatever, in order to meet the functionality. And then a savvy person would add in a little bit on top of that yeah. and then promise that, and hopefully you can deliver by then or under then. Right. And that's the, that's the secret sauce. Really
0: let's inject, a, a, some real world, um, experience into the conversation at this point in a company where most of the deadlines are pulled out of the air by, by sales or something like I'm not trying to be unfair against sales, but again, they are pushing, they're pushing because they're, they're trying to bring revenue into the company. I can fault them to, to a certain point. I can fault them. However, like the product manager in me, again, the, the scrum master, like the the scrum master product side of the table might, there might be a dividing line in on this one. I can only fault sales so far. If they're just pulling commitments out and just promising things without literally without talking to anybody. Okay. I I would guess that's not usual. And if they are, if they are asking me before they make commitments, like that's pretty good. The better strategy, which you, which I think you started going down the road of is the salesperson is talking to the customer and before they make a commitment to date, they, they get the customer, they get the development team. They put the two together and they have a refinement. They have a ref- they have a backlog refinement. Basically could be high level, could be low level, whatever. They have a backlog refinement about the thing that they're negotiating on. Yep. So the development team can at least try to get a high level understanding of how much work is involved, how to break it down, what, what the customer really wants, what the customer, what the customer might accept next to what the customer really wants. So it might be broken up into different phases, right? sure. like you'll accept this in the beta phase. And then when, when you go to production, you need X, Y, Z functionality or whatever. And then in line with all the rest of the things that team is working on, they can say, well, our velocity is 20 points per sprint to start using it. You want five points, but to get it through to production, that's another 20 points. So we need at least a sprint and a half, but I, as a product manager, I know I have other competing things that are gonna come up. So I'm gonna leverage three sprints worth of work to get all your stuff done. So I'm gonna say, Hey, we're two week sprints. Now that we went through a refinement, assuming that after the sprint review, when I show you the functionality that we decide not to change the scope. It's about six weeks worth of work. Mm-hmm. Again, assuming nothing bumps your work, that's backed up from sprint to sprint to sprint. So I can go sprint to sprint and then, Oh, I decided I need to take a break and deal with this other real high severity thing. And then the next sprint we'll, we'll deal with it. Little breaks in the pre-agreed schedule. I can just email you and we can agree that like, oh, something big came up where we won't be able to work on your stuff for two weeks. We'll get back at it in the next two weeks or whatever. But the idea is your sales person turns into a facilitator to communications between the customers and development teams at that point, which in a previous podcast, when we talked about the scrum master responsibilities, we put the scrum master in the scrum master can help by coordinating with the salesperson, person right. and helping set that stuff up with the development team, figure out when the windows are, figure out when the best time is and kind of launch that and get it moving. You know, I, if you're, if you don't have a scrum master, I guess the product people or your lead developers or your senior developers or somebody like that can kinda they can kinda help and step in and help facilitate those conversations. I'm not trying to take away anything. I'm not saying they're not capable of talking to customers. Everybody on the development teams capable of talking to customers. Wow, this is a long diatribe. But what I'm trying to say is when you have deadlines that are picked out of the air, a good way to get around that is to go and have a session with your salespeople, executives, whoever. Literally whoever is picking those dates out of the air. And say, instead of picking before you commit in front of a customer to a date, bring it to me, the right. product manager, scrum master, development lead, whatever, bring it to me and I will set on the calendar, a date for the customers and developers to talk to each other. We'll get all the stuff spec'd out. You know what I mean? Don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. We'll get it all written up in whatever system we use, whatever ALM system we use or whatever. And once it's estimated by the team, then we'll give you a range of time. We'll, basically as close to a date as we can give you, we will give you. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, who knows? It could be a tiny, tiny change. We can do, an, we can do it in one sprint, and then, sure. hey, we'll take this in and get it done in two weeks.
1: Yeah, I agree, first of all, right? So if you're going to take that little change on right now, what's the opportunity cost? Like, What are you not doing, right? That's a conversation you need to have as well. But I agree with you what you're saying. The bottom line is, whoever it is that are dealing with external customers, bring them in. Sure. Let them talk to the, the dev team. Wh- why? Why the, do you think that is? The, the communication link there is critical because when the customer says they need something that is an initial expression of a want or desire, Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily, say it could be a need, but it's not really understood by your sales folks. So when you bring the dev team in, the dev team is going to ask questions and that's going to then elicit responses from the customer, right? And that dialogue is going to act as a kind of like a funnel. It, It will home in on a set of real needs with real repercussions that the dev team comes up with and says, well, in order to do that, we have to do X, Y, Z, whatever. So that's, that is why, because your salespeople are doing a job. They're bringing the client in that's their job Mm -hmm. and closing the deal and Mm -hmm. everything that follows with it. But to promise a date that is, I would argue is not their job without consulting with the team.
0: This is super interesting to me because I feel there's a way where you can build a roadmap that sales can basically use as an a la carte menu to sell off of a standard functionality. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. Right. Or like near term things that have like Hey, this got implemented in the last month or so that things you approach customers to kind of sell them on things. But I feel if your roadmap cannot be picked up and utilized by sales in that way, th- that is going to be an atmosphere that contributes to what we're talking about now, where it's sales is off selling things that you've got to turn around and produce yep. and that now we're playing this date game. I guess what I'm saying is. You don't have to play the game that we're talking about now where we're now we have to negotiate. Now we have to go back and forth now we have to fight about deadlines. You don't have to play that game. If you've done the proactive legwork to say, Hey sales, I'm developing this roadmap. Here's the upcoming stuff. I'll tell you when it's done. I I guess you might still have to play a little bit of a deadline game to like, if they're selling stuff that like you're just on the edge of finishing in development, you might have to like.
1: Well, hopefully if that's the case, right? You're engaging with your beta customers. I I think what you're talking about is a natural evolution of a product life cycle. I'm talking about something that is esoteric to a customer that says, we want this out of this product. If that's the case, the salespeople would look at that. Hopefully they would look at that and say, who else needs this? Mm -hmm. But that notwithstanding, they should not be promising any dates in any of these circumstances, really. They should be putting the customer in front of the dev team. And have a meaningful, productive discussion around yeah. what it takes to yeah. get things done. I don't think we pay enough attention to this. It isn't just to protect the date. It is to clarify the intent by the customer. Like yeah. how, what do they want? Really what they need. And in the discussions you would find a savvy dev team would say, you say you want this, but what do you really need? If we can give you only this for now, and then this other thing can follow. And then listen to the customer. Yeah. They may say, okay. Or they may say, no, no, we have to have everything. Yeah. Whichever route it goes down will dictate that date that sales or whomever can deliver. It's just common sense at the end of it, but it is pretty rare though, especially in this field. Right. I don't see that being done very often.
0: I I was gonna say, I would argue that more often it has been internal stakeholders inside of the organization. Saying we've got to have everything yeah. then customers. Customers are happy to have like, Hey, give me a site and it's only got one option when, when I want 10 options, like, but this is the one I use the most. I use this one 85% of the time. So if you can deliver that in a week, like that'll relieve a lot of pressure. And then like the other five, six options, like, I don't know, like I, Hey, yeah. whatever. If they get delivered over the next, whatever, couple of weeks, that's fine. The customer is happy to have their. Most pressing issue dealt with first, but this topic also kind of goes back to our discussions about incentives, because maybe the salespeople don't get their commission until they've delivered on a hundred percent of what agreed on, which is not, a, I, mean, I don't know how much ground I can give on that one, because it's, yeah. like, that's not a great environment to start with. Actually, you know, what we haven't talked about, we haven't talked about development leads, picking, doing estimates on behalf of teams. That's, we haven't talked yeah, about yeah.
1: that. You're right. You're, we haven't. I, I just want to finish the thought that you you actually teased out there. This whole concept of promising a date, yeah, right. It it, it origins originates way back. Like, I don't even know how many years, to be honest. Way back to the uh, the days of the Silk Road in Asia. It's a very very long road, yeah. but it has many stops along the way that we know of now. Back then, it's a long and winding road. Long and winding road. What I wanted to tell people is the the historical perspective about these dates. Yeah. So imagine yourself way back, like whatever century it was, you want to go from A to B and, and you have people along the road that are ready to rob you. So, (laughs) cause that's how it was on the Silk Road. People didn't know what you carried. So they would rob you anyway. And they'll take what you have. They'll take. They'll take the yeah, shirts yeah, yeah. off your back. So uh, there were runners that would say, we promise you safe passage between here and here. Yeah. They had no way to know whether they could make it from A to B, but they would promise you that and you pay them up. front. So initially it was like you paid them up front and then you went along a certain way <laughs> and you got confronted by these bandits, <laughs> banditos and uh, the first thing an individual did, they would say, you told us we would go nine hours and we're only three hours into this and look. Yeah. So you lied and they would kill that person first. Almost said shoot, but guns were around then. So they would slay them. All right, so how does that work? So, uh, you know, uh, it's like the person who promised has no idea if they can deliver on that promise. Right. They do it on the expectation that the other party, the consuming party also doesn't mm-hmm. know, they just have to buy in <laughs> to your proposition. I
0: like it. I right? like this.
1: What did happen back in the Silk Road days is some people got wise to the idea that people didn't make it past the first milestone, so to speak, yeah. and they, they would get held up and then they would be killed mm-hmm. and robbed and, and killed in that order probably. So what they decided to do is say, well, are not going to believe you. Mm-hmm. We'll only pay you when we get to milestone one, but right. we won't pay you all of it. Right. We'll just give you a little bit of money here and we'll give you a, little, a few more coins when yeah. we get to here. Now what we have is milestone based payments, Oh boy, that's where it was born. So it's nothing new. This is not new to the human psyche. Like, like we've known this all along, but have we progressed any further all these decades in maybe centuries on like at least a century anyway. So that I just wanted to add that little like a historical perspective to it. All right. So nothing so new.
0: Let's move into phase two. Phase two for this podcast is. I'm in this culture. I'm a product manager. I'm a scrum master. I'm an agile coach. Maybe even I'm an executive. I want to move this culture away from this deadline focused. You know what I mean? the the person who throws out their first number loses culture. I want to move it to something a little more sane, something a little more, not only manageable, what's, what's sustainable. I'm trying to move the whole organization to saying, when you set deadlines, I want the deadlines to be set so they don't kill the development teams. Okay. I want you to set deadlines that are used to drive a sustainable pace. Indefinitely. Indefinitely to the engineering teams. Okay. So they can still do their product development, but also they can take into consideration architecture. They can take into consideration the best way things should be done for the future of the product. With a little input from leadership with regard to what phase the business is in. Because I I do have to occasionally, even with my development teams, I do occasionally have to say, like, you have to realize that the business right now is in growth mode or the business right now is in sustained mode or, yeah. the, or not, not the business, but the, the product that you're working on because right. sometimes the business might be in growth mode, but the product your development team is working on is in yeah. sustain mode. Yeah. Like you got to keep the lights on because his other team is trying to blow up 10 times and you are funding that like, yeah. that's reality. A lot of people don't like hearing that, but that, that's reality. So like, it's a, what, what is it? It's a grow. Sustained sunset or something like that is the model. Okay, but I don't want to talk about any of that. If you're in this mode where you you feel like you're behind, you're behind all the time and deadlines are just given to you and served to you all the time, let's try to get you out of that. There's a couple of phases of my pushback on this to make things better. And the first phase is to take any deadline that you hear or that is given to you and immediately treat it like a suggestion. Start believing in your head that the deadlines are not deadlines. They are suggestions. Hey, I think you should rewrite the entire Python language and produce a new version and have that done by tomorrow and today at 4 PM. Okay. And the reason I say you should start treating it that way is because the, the first thing you should do is get in the mode of not getting stressed about that discussion, the first thing you should do. Um, and again, I, like, I, I would imagine a lot of people I'm talking to you right now are not product managers. Maybe they are, I don't know. Maybe they are, mm. but uh, I would imagine that a lot of people I'm talking to right now are not product managers. So the first thing you need to do is to cultivate that immediate response within you to say, well, that's ridiculous, but what we can do. Okay. Like that, that immediate turnaround that like, yeah. we can't do that, but what we can do. I'm going back to that. Yes. And or the no, and or whatever. And like something, something, something and. I prefer a hard. No, I prefer a hard. No, because much like I do with small children, like that's ridiculous. I'm not going to buy you that toy. You don't need a $200 Lego, but let's look through the catalog and see what other cool toys that we might want to buy within our $20 budget. Like, so that immediate response should be the first thing the 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 other thing we talked about before you before you jump on that uh, because i know you're gonna (laughs) but i'm gonna give you a little bit more to bite onto before Mm -hmm. you jump onto this so hey you give me this deadline okay before i tell you yes or no before we consider this deadline why don't you get the customer on the phone get us on the phone arrange this for us we'll get together we'll do our normal refinement we'll get our normal story points, number of stories, hashtag, no estimates, whatever, nonsense, uh, Ouija boards, whatever you use for estimation, we'll get all that out of the way Mm -hmm. with the customer. And then based on our normal velocity, I'll look at my magic formula that no, I'm not willing to expose because it doesn't have anything to do with any other team Mm -hmm. and I will tell you how long, assuming we are uninterrupted and have no other competing priorities, I will tell you how long it will take to deal with what you are bringing to the team. I threw out a lot. So I'm, I'm telling you, I threw yeah, out it's a lot. That's good. It's good. But in order to get to where I'm throughout, you need that immediate reaction needs to not be one of like climbing up or getting emotional or getting aggravated or getting angry or getting enraged. It needs to be immediately like, well, we can't do what you want, but, and then the response, whatever the response is.
1: Yeah. Definitely don't say yes or no. As soon as you hear something like that. Right. Definitely not. But you're not hearing this need this, this burning need from the customer. You're hearing it for second, third, whatever, whatever hand it is, not first hand at least. So that's, that should be to me, at least the first thing is, can we hear from the customer? Because when you have that discussion with the customer, the dev team is perfectly entitled in my book, extremely encouraged to, to ask the five whys when the customer says, oh, we need this. Why do you need this? Not in a bad way, just to understand, like why? And they say something, well, why do you say you need that? And they say something, well, why do you say you need that? The whole point, even though it sounds on the face of it to be almost childish in nature, the five whys technique gets you to the point where you really get to the bottom of the issue. Yeah. And then the dev team could have a discussion. This is Remember, this is like the first meeting yeah. and the dev team can ask questions. This is supposed to be set up as a safe environment, right? Mm-hmm. So they can ask the question, what if you don't do that? Instead of you do this and you do this other thing. Maybe the customer never thought that mm-hmm. nine times out of 10, I bet you that is exactly what happens is the customer has that view of what they need right. and they go, this is what we need. This is what we want. Right. And when the dev team says, well, instead of that, maybe you could do this other thing mm-hmm. and the customer, then pauses this is what I've seen actually in real life, yeah. they pause and they go, yeah, if we do that, then how do we do that? So now we're in this mode of having a really good discussion, right? This is enriching mm-hmm. for both parties, the customer and the dev team and the organization of the, the dev team, right, yeah. as a whole. You keep doing that for as long as it takes in that session until t- you get to a an agreement. It's verbal, but you yeah. get to an agreement with the customer, yeah, I think we can work with that. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So it may not be a black and white, like this is this or nothing. Mm-hmm. It might be. We can do this now, we can do this later. Right. And a savvy PO, a scrum master would then say, okay, so let me say you're okay with this in two sprints from now, but in four sprints from now, you're okay. If we deliver this other thing, is that what I heard? Right. And if the customer says, yeah, or no, we actually need a sprint sooner, whatever it is. And you, you, you adjust, right. That is what we need. But here's the, here's the golden nugget, right? It's not just a casino in Las Vegas. The golden nugget here is, and in that first meeting. There are zero commitments. I'm gonna repeat right. that for those of you in the back of the room, no That's commitments. Cool. This is a discussion. This is a, an exploration. There are no commitments. The only commitments are we'll get back to you. Yeah. Right. And then the dev team regroups and says, here, here's how we phase it out. Yeah. Or we do a, a release every yeah. month, quarter, whatever it is. That's when the organization, salespeople, whoever it is, goes back to customer says, based on what we've heard, here's what we think we can yeah. deliver. Are you okay with that? Yeah. There's still room for negotiation. You're not dictating at any point. To me, that is the best case scenario Yeah. to me.
0: Yeah. You know, the interesting part of this is the, if, if it was a salesperson who brokered all this in the first place, like they should be in the room during that refinement that we're talking about now, they should be, because I I feel like it would only take one or two refinements for them to start understanding like a little deeper into the process. Yeah. It's, it's really not a lot of rocket science. It's really a bunch of asking questions and honestly, salespeople are smart, so they will start picking up on the track of questions that people ask, and they will start inheriting those BA skills along with everyone else. The other thing I'm thinking about here is, if you're using the team topologies, streamline teams, and enabling teams methodology that we went over in another podcast, which I will now I'm going to have to link it. The members of your enabling team. That go across a streamline team sure. that yeah, go along the verticals. Streamlines. Yeah, the verticals. Well, it looks
1: like a freaking bandaid they, on the diagram. They
0: should know when your refinements are happening. And then you, I'm saying you, I really mean anybody that represents the streamline team yep. could be the scrum master. could be the product manager. could be anybody on the development team. It doesn't really matter. Somebody should let somebody know from the enabling team. Hey, we're meeting with a customer in this point. Like, I mean, ideally all of your refinements should be, should be with customers, but, sure. but, but if there's something special is happening, they should let somebody in the enabling team. know. Hey, we have somebody coming that way. They know to be aware I could get pulled into this refinement because somebody on the streamline team is going to say, Hey, the customer is asking for this, but in order to do this, we have to change this database table or yeah. we have to do whatever that yeah. we, that we don't have the skill on the team or that touches this other team or whatever. So all it. It, it makes a lot of sense for the teams to be aware when customers are going to be in the room. I don't feel like this is a huge ask. I don't feel like what I'm asking right now is unreasonable no. or inappropriately sized with, with regard to effort. I don't feel it's extraordinary in any way, shape or form to just say, Hey, next Monday between these hours, we're going to be on with the customer. Keep your calendar open. We probably won't need you, but we might hit you up on Slack or hit you up on an instant message or whatever. AOL instant messenger from 1997, <laughs> yeah. who knows whatever you use. Yeah, no,
1: you listen, MCI mail, no, yeah. No. Yeah. seriously though, that, that, you're right. But the thing about this is it's this, we as a set of teams. So, you know, the expectation is that, to your point, we have a customer meeting on this date, just be aware, we may pull you in. If you're aware of any more detail about what that customer encounter is like, You could potentially extend the invite to a tech lead or somebody like that, not, not the whole team, right? Just somebody to be present. And initially they come in and they have the agenda today. We're here to talk about A, B, C, Mm D and if it doesn't pertain to them, give them the permission, the express permission to say, feel free to leave. Right. So they're gone. That's fine. But if it remotely affects them, they stay on that particular agenda item should be addressed first. So they can, have the benefit of that discussion and the dialogue, and then you dismiss them. So yeah, we're not looking for mundane kind of death by meetings or anything, but to your point, yeah, yeah, as, as needed. So maybe the next time you have an encounter with a customer, you don't need them at all Uh, and that's fine.
0: Yeah. I like, I hear that one as a pushback like, if we're trying to move the culture.
1: If we're all customer centric, there should be no pushback. From anybody.
0: Oh, oh I was going to say the pushback of people that are saying that we're really busy. The people that should be on the enabling team say, I can't show up or, Hey, I can't Your know, architects DBAs. I, I was on the, I told my team an example of somebody on an enabling team would be somebody like a DBA yep. who really understands a table indexing and understand and can look at stats and tell you which columns you should be indexing and which ones you should not be indexing because the typical matter in dealing with a performance is just index every column. And then they, well, everything's got an index. It's okay. But then like that, but <laughs> the like, performance then
1: goes through the, yeah, but, then, yeah but yeah, but then everything's yeah, yeah.
0: terrible. Yeah. That's not the way to deal with it no. at all. No, like that's, yeah, I but, agree. But, but when you need somebody like that in your session, and somebody like that is like, their time is very valuable to the organization. The pushback here is like, well, this is meeting overload. I'm an architect. I'm a very busy architect and meeting overload. Busy I mean,
1: doing what? you can't be right. doing anything that's right. busier than serving the customer. Right.
0: So, so we're, so it's in an organization where we only have personal influence political capital personal political capital is the only currency that you have in the organization sure you, you don't supervise anyone you really don't even have any leverage over their bosses or anything like that it's not like you're up here with the bosses or anything like that no. in that organization you really have to take the pushback of like oh you're just overloading me with meetings you have to take that pushback seriously i i, I, no, I, I, understand. I, I know what you're saying i understand what you're where you're going <laughs> it's a political thing more than it is is. like, I agree with you. The solution here is to rally behind, okay, you have a lot of meetings. I understand, but these are customer focused meetings. So these are your top tier meetings. So I now let's pretend I'm just a product manager. I have one development team. I, at that point now I need to have some one-on-ones. I need to go in the organization up and up and up until I get alignment of customer centricity is the number one place we should be focusing. And then I need to bring that alignment back down Yep, and work to influence that alignment back down through the organization. I don't know if that is typically highlighted as a, as a typical product management focused. Type of activity, uh, like a scrum master agile coach, I could see it. I could see, well, you got to coach up in the organization and kind of bring them on the line and try to help all the all the supervisors of all the people understand they should be putting the customer first, and then in all their activities they should be seeking to move the customer first, and then driving that down in the organization. And we talked about this earlier before, before we started the podcast, where you might say, I I should be taking my individual team level scrum masters and telling them, well, they should be coaching up in the organization and and we should be seeing that benefit trickle down. But in reality, the organization kind of is saying, well, that's not really your job. You need to go with your team and Hey, we got this organizational agile coach or whatever, or this group person or this high level to deal with stuff like that, you know, stay out of that business. Like that's. That's not, that's not going to work.
1: I agree. Right. So I, I think going back to the, the whole point of this whole kind of topic was to bring the customer in, yeah. listen to them. Don't just have sales, whomever, you know, band of architects, whomever, just those guys listen to the customer, let the dev team in to the same meeting. And I like what you suggested there. Maybe make it like one of two refinement sessions for that sprint. Bring the customer in, listen to their needs. Yeah. But the critical part here is nobody. I mean, nobody should be making promises to the customer because you're just in learning right now. You're learning what it, take, what it takes to deliver what they want, but you're even learning what it is that they want. So sales, tech leads, architects, dev team, there's no commitments. It's yeah. just a learning exercise and asking questions and clarifying questions and, you know, elaborating over and over and over again on their stated needs. Yeah. The other thing that I think the architects and the tech leads are responsible for in that meeting is to come up with alternates, like push back in a gentle way, push back's a strong phrase, but challenge the customer when they say they need this, ask them why. And then they say, what if you had this instead, Yeah, right? Don't make wacky suggestions, obviously, but sensible ones. What if you had this instead, would that work for you? You'd be surprised how many times a customer would say, yeah. we could do it. We could do that to start with, and maybe yeah. in three months we could really get back to it or revisit yeah. it or whatever. Yeah. If that happens, awesome. Now you've narrowed the scope of the ask. Yeah. If that doesn't happen, what's the big deal? What's happened instead is you've verified that their need is their need, right? And you've asked clarifying questions about the details of that. Now, this is again, the architect's role to say. You Say you need this, you absolutely need this. We suggested something you don't want that, but you need this instead. That's fine. Now, let's talk about performance criteria mm-hmm. how soon should this work? How often, right? How what's the response time like, etc. etc. Mm-hmm. You're now getting into the NFRs, but they're extremely valuable because yeah. you're getting them up front, yeah, yeah, right? Don't go building a solution that doesn't meet the requirement says the customer sees it, even though they weren't expressed. Well,
0: cause they aren't good at expressing them. Yeah. Well, even that can be like what, what you're talking about right now. Like even that could be broken up. Like I think about the individual development team trying to fit into a larger program, I think of like a Spotify, large business, right? You have right. millions of users right. all around the world, all around the world. Right. And uh, you can never tell how much bandwidth is going towards a particular, product or feature or, or, you know, individual podcasts. Hey, not ours. <laughs> no, um, but yeah, you can, you can never tell cause things might go yep. viral. And so your system has to kind of sense that. So when you're developing something new, if you're doing it for a particular influential client or user of your system, the idea is like you have reps from different departments, different teams, mm-hmm. for example, somebody from an enabling team, like an architect yeah. or DBA or something like that, yep. like you have them in a the room and you're saying, oh, we want this new feature. And the DBA says, well, in order to implement that new feature, We're going to have to break out this little feature you're doing to its own database, it's got to be separate from the previous database. So it doesn't impact performance. And you can say, well, I do want to do that, but is there a way we can break this up alpha beta production phases to say like, well, we know that performance is going to be bad and we don't want to crash the whole system. So maybe we'll limit the beta phase to only 20 users that you specify who can come in and try out the new system, Absolutely, you know, something, yeah. something like that. And then, and then when we go to production, we can negotiate with our architect who they're basically creating requirements for us, yeah. but they're not customer requirements. They're our own internal driven requirements to say, Hey, we have these standards. I don't know where I'm going with this conversation. No, no, I, no, I, I understand you Is it like that a that definition that. of done? I don't know where no, I'm I going with you, the
1: You're getting the point where the customers can express their wishes, wants, needs, desires, but the, the architects are the ones that are scope bounding the whole tempering. thing. They're just tempering. They're just tempering the. the yeah, quest. exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think in conjunction with the customer, I mean, they're not doing it by themselves in a the lab, but right? yeah. I, mean, they're, they're, actually having conversation and saying to the customer, listen, here's the risk reward equation. We're together too.
0: We're together right. in this conversation. Right. It's, right. It's it, that, that's the other thing I want to point out is like we're, we're uh, the salesperson or whoever sold this going back way back early in the podcast, the salesperson, or whoever sold this, they, they brought in, Hey, we need to do Functionality X. Yeah. Now the product manager says, bring the customer in, schedule a session. We'll get everybody. Now my scrum master for the team reaches out to the other teams, says, hey, we're doing. We have a customer at this date. You might want to be here. You might want to be free. Now our architect is free. The other streamlined team it touches, they have a rep or two that's free. We all come to one refinement. Yep. Now we're talking about okay, maybe we can do this for the alpha, just to prove that it works. We'll show you it works, but you can't touch it. Maybe the next phase is beta. We haven't put a lot of thought into performance. The architect says we can't put this into production. I'm thinking about larger environments where like, cause a lot of people, a lot of time when we do the podcast, we don't necessarily go out of our way to think about large organizations that do have compliance governance type of separate, like right. you say, oh, well, you're agile. You shouldn't have that. It should be all baked in your process. Yes. I agree with all that. However, one of the reasons I wanted to do the podcast was to bake in the reality of working in software development with the theory that you hear. So the reality is you do have to make all these people happy enough where they give the thumbs up. So a yep. way to get the thumbs up is to say we'll have a beta phase where we're doing things quick and dirty. Mm-hmm. And then before we can get the rubber stamp to go to prod, we can check off all y- your, Mr. Architect, we can check off all your check boxes. The customer hears with those check boxes. So they know we're right. working on stuff. We, they know we're working on stuff that they don't necessarily care about. Yeah. I don't care if you can scale to a million users. Sure. I don't care if a thousand people all decide they want to download that podcast at once and it crashes all your servers. I don't care about that. Right. Doesn't matter to me, but in order to go to prod, you've got to stamp that box. that says it ran, you, you ran your performance test on a thousand concurrent users or whatever. Spotify is probably a million concurrent users, right? A million concurrent users. Can download one yeah, yeah. one single podcast, right? And you've got a green light on your QA automation test, and you can go to pride.
1: Absolutely. So I think all of what you said is made more. What's the word I'm looking for? More robust, oh, right, was, More real. Gooder. That was my gooder.
0: gooder. 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 Yeah, more gooder. Gooder. more
1: gooder. More gooder is even better. More gooder better. If you can get the customer <laughs> in throughout the process, because you're not just telling them, "Hey, listen, it scales to a thousand users." That's a statement, right? you can show them a graph, but how about on a limited scope environment, let them kick the tires. Yeah. So there are ways to simulate a thousand users. These these are not new. Yeah, you get them to do that, but maybe they don't know how. So, okay, you do it, but get them in and say, you're one of a thousand users. You're actually one of 999. There's 999 more, and yet, look, it's staying up and it's breathing, right? If you can do those sorts of things, it instills a higher degree of confidence with the customer. That's what you're looking for. It is not a single thing or event that you do that kind of brings them over. Yeah. It's a series of things. Yeah. And that is not even just to do with the software and the testing and right. all of that. Right, it's, right. it's even to do it, bring them into your sprint reviews. Let's say your feature, whatever it is that you're delivering is over three, four sprints, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. Bring them in at every sprint and show them working product. Get feedback for real, listen to them. Mm-hmm. And then if they say something, it's not a criticism, right? It is simply an alignment of what the real need is. So take that to heart, bring it in, align and show them that in the next sprint. So show them that you're open to those channels of feedback from them. If you're not open to those. You can wait three, four sprints and say, Hey, look at this. And they go, yeah, that's not quite what we meant. That's going to be very expensive for everybody all around, especially for the producing organization. Cause right. it, the onus is on them really. I mean, look, we all know the customer doesn't know what they want, right? If you can give them alternatives of how to get there, that is often like 99% of the time very very well received people say oh we didn't think of it that way right okay right you could say well because of and filling the gaps here technology constraints security requirements whatever it is yep. scaling requirements as yeah, yours yeah. so we need to do this first but we are going to where you want it's just this is a stepping stone on the way yeah. if you can do that and show them don't tell them show them bring them in show them that is the partnership that is the secret sauce in my view anyway they're not some somebody that you deliver to at a periodic interval and go this is a client delivery no Mm -hmm. no they need to be in living and breathing with your teams throughout not day-to-day maybe, but at least every sprint they need to be in there, engage them, right? Yeah. If you don't engage them, you
0: could be missing the mark. You never know. I was going to say this podcast is going to segue straight into the plans podcast because the, de- the deadlines discussion, I don't know even why I'm still recording. We didn't talk about that. The, a real date involved. We didn't talk about a real date right. being involved, right, right, right. A GDPR or something like a real date being involved, sign me on for part two of deadlines. We also implied, but didn't talk directly about. Are you setting a deadline because you don't trust my team? Is that why you're setting a deadline? Hey, if I just tell you to do something, I have no idea how long you're going to take to do it. Right. So I'm just going to tell you when I want it done yep. and I'm going to let you scramble and do it. Like we didn't talk about that either. Like we, that's we a, didn't, th- there's a lot left on the cutting room floor of oh, this podcast. Indeed. So, yes. To pick indeed. up for round two.
1: Yes, indeed.